All right, good morning. Uh, welcome to Hebrew Baptist Church. We've had a great time worshiping the Lord. Now we want to come to God's Word and worship Him under His Word. If you turn into your devices or in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to read 1 through 13. Or if you'd like to use the translation that I'm reading from, it's in the Pew Bible in front of you. It's page 1052, 1052, and the Pew Bible in front of you. And we believe in the power of God's Word. And if you don't have a Bible that is your own, uh, we would love for you to stop by the Next Steps desk and pick one up before you leave. We have some that we would love to give you because we do, as we just sang, the Bible is our word of life and we need it every day. So this morning I'm going to pray and we're going to jump back in to kind of where we left off last week. For those of you who weren't here, we've been talking about uh, through the letter of 1 Timothy about how, how Timothy has called us as, as Christians to guard the gospel and how that we are to, to, uh, we are to as we gather to protect the gospel as we live our lives together from false teachers and from uh, the, the uh, distractions from outside the world. Uh, but we know that it is when we are his gathered people that we mostly and, and rightfully guard the gospel and his truth about his word. And so we've been looking for a few weeks about, uh, about uh, through worship and prayer and last week about how God gives uh, different roles for leaders. And today we're going to look specifically at the two leaders that God has given the church. And so let me pray and then we're going to jump right in. Heavenly Father, we ask you as we've come this morning to look at your word that we, we don't look at it as, a, as a, a word on the page that maybe is for somebody else or, or for some other select group of people, but instead we see your word as something for us, each one of us, for us to know because God, you gave us and breathed out this word for us. And so no matter what we do, when we come to this word, Lord, we pray that it would speak to us in a way that, that we are challenged to be better church members, that we're be challenged to be better Christians, that we are challenged by your word to look more like your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray in reading it and empowered by the Holy Spirit, Lord, we expect that Lord to see you at work in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week as we began, we talked about how that pastors and congregations and churches in, in working together in concert make beautiful music that reflect the love of Jesus and the truth of the gospel. But we know that when one or the other acts unbiblically or selfishly, that it can create such a noise that it could be as, as bad as the noise of a chainsaw on a metal pole. It is awful. And so as we think about what God has given the gift for us as church members to us of the church gathered, that he also gives leaders for us to lead. And in doing so, that that relationship is vital. As a matter of fact, we read this last week, but I think some of us maybe don't haven't read this or, or, or think through this a lot, but Hebrews 13, 17 through 18 says, obey your leaders and submit to them since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account so that they can do this with joy and not with grief so that they would be, un for that would be unprofitable for you. 
Pray for us, for we are convinced that we have a clear conscience waiting to conduct ourselves honorably in everything. So this paints a picture of uh, churches who, who God has gifted with the Holy Spirit to serve and, and lead, and, but God has also given leaders of the congregation to work in harmony together for the discipleship and for the Great Commission. And when we do this and we do this together, God does something amazing in our lives. But when one or the other, as I said, go an unbiblical or selfish path, we've seen the stories, maybe we've experienced it, trauma in churches that we've been to in the past, we know that it can shipwreck a church. Just some statistics I looked up this week uh, that, that can happen on both sides, that it could be a congregation who, who doesn't support or, or follow their leaders, or a, a pastor who has gone on an unbiblical or selfish or even sinful path can destroy the church. Both ways, we all have accountability, right? But these statistics kind of show when one or the other gets unbalanced. One, 50% of pastors have considered leaving the ministry in the last month. 50% of ministers who begin their ministry will not last five years. Over 1,700 pastors left, left the ministry every month last year. And over time, we've seen that over 4,000 churches closed in America last year. Paul says that it is vital for the health of a church that a congregation and pastor uh, work together as God's gift to the, to the world. And here, as he speaks to the church in Ephesus, he is telling the church, watch and be careful and consider how you identify leaders in your church. And know that you as a congregation fulfill a very vital and important role in encouraging godly leadership. As a church member, one of your most important roles is to raise up godly leaders, to identify godly leaders, and to choose godly leaders. And maybe today, some of you, God is raising up to lead here in the church. Maybe it is you that God is equipping as a church member to identify and understand who the leaders are amongst our church body that we would encourage and raise up to be the next leaders at Hebron Baptist Church. Well, Paul writes to Timothy to give a snapshot of the leaders God gifts the church that we must identify. And Paul gives two qualities to help us identify church leaders that we can follow. If you're taking notes at home or here and, and maybe a note in your phone, number one, church leadership should be made up of qualified leaders. I'm going to read chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 7. Uh, to begin with. Um, the saying, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. He must manage his own household competently and have his children under control with all dignity. 
If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? He must not be a new convert, or he, must be, uh, or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil. Furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he does not fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. Now, you may have read through that, that list before. You may maybe have heard it briefly at an ordination or something. But brothers and sisters, just honestly, for me, I walk through those verses very slowly and cautiously because I, as a pastor, have to guard my life by God's word. And we can run through this, and sometimes I know I've even sat through across the table with people choosing leaders and different things, and they'll say something like, well, do you uphold these qualifications? Yeah, yeah, sure do, you know. Well, good, okay, next. And uh, what, what's your favorite color? Okay, well, it's this. So who's your favorite team? Well, you know, the, the conversation ends up being more about what your favorite earthly thing is than how we stack up to God's word. When I walk through this, I am very cautious because it does set aside that the church should be made of qualified leaders. When we think through this, there's a, a lot of things that we need to be said. And so for the essence that we don't have part three and part four and part five of this text that I need to go through here to kind of point to what we need to see. First of all, there are only two biblical leaders that the Bible holds out for us. Uh, we know the church raises up leaders of different kinds, but we know that there's only two that the Bible mentions. One is pastors and deacons, and number two is deacons. Now, in the Bible, we see that there are several words used throughout the New Testament. Uh, most often, we see the word elder, uh, episkopos, or presbyteros, overseer, and then one time in the book of Philippians, we see the word appointment or pastor. Now we in Baptist world and probably most of your life is only called somebody pastor or preacher or, or something to that regard. But we know that those are the only, that is the words that is used throughout the New Testament. All of these are used for the same office of pastor. And note that every description and prescription for the church, the term for pastors are always in the plural form. There's never mentioned a singular form of this. That plurality or multiple of pastors are always used throughout the New Testament. As a matter of fact, Peter says in 1 Peter, he says, I, Peter, say this to the elders who I am one of them. He is saying that I am one of multiple elders. There is a biblically faithful evidence that each church was given a plurality of pastors to oversee the church and had multiple deacons to serve. But these leaders, these pastors, these elders must also, number one, have number two things that we're gonna look at today that must be qualified to lead. Number one, they must be able to handle the word, and number two, they must have a life worthy of following. Those are the two things. So number one, we see that in this list that we just read, if you, we actually look secondarily to the list of deacons, and honestly, as D.A. Carson observed, of all the lists that we could read, Galatians and, and all throughout the Bible of lists of godly characteristics that even Christians should have, 
The only real difference between a pastor and anyone else listed in the Bible is that they're able to teach. That's it. Now, the good news is, is that you can have deacons that teach, and that's a gift. But the requirement for a pastor is that they can teach. That doesn't also mean that they have to get up and preach like I'm doing, but they must be able to rightly handle the word of God. Therefore, the first role of the pastor is to be a teacher of the Bible who understands, protects, and knows sound doctrine, who can deliver the faith once delivered by the saints and understand the Bible and deliver it so God's people may be equipped for ministry. That is the main role as pastors is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry for a, a coach, so to speak, to lead the team to do what God has called all of us to do, which is to reach, disciple, and make his name know. And that is the role that pastors do when they teach. In 2 Timothy 2, 15, it says, be diligent to present yourself as, to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly handling the word of truth. So number one, the pastor must know and understand and be able to teach God's word effectively. But also, pastors and leaders, and pastors in particular, must have lives that people can follow to be more like Jesus. If we look through this list and we could go through each one and probably spend an hour on every one of these characteristics, but this list shows a, a life that one can be above reproach, that can be displayed as an observable conduct in which the Christians can follow to say, oh yeah, that's one that I can faithfully follow Jesus. They should have exemplary marriages and family lives. They should be temperate in all things, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not violent or quarrelsome or greedy, not recent converts, and well-respected by those outside the church. With a pastor must be more than a teacher. He must be a qualified that his life matches the Bible he teaches. You know, it's very often that many people say, well, I need to find the pastor. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you that when you identify pastors, that you don't just observe someone who is among you that, that speaks eloquently or that teaches in a way that makes you feel good about yourself or tells the stories that keeps your attention or the things that makes, your, makes you feel like you've been entertained long enough to sit there but that you first and foremost identify someone who is led by the Spirit and, and displays the character of God. You cannot skip over that. We've been, us pastors have been listening to a podcast on the rise and fall of Mars Hill and one of the things that has been acknowledged of that pastor and many other pastors that we can look at is that their life did not match the Bible. And their leadership was not one of a follower of Jesus that they got too prideful. And we know that before uh, the pride comes the fall, right? So all of us today, though, as we read this list, and my prayer for you today as you read this list, and that you think of even acknowledging and identifying pastors, is maybe you ask yourself this question. Are you ready? 
Am I living a life that would encourage other people to follow Jesus? You see, it's very simple to say, well, it's the pastor's job. And that's his qualification. But aren't we all as Christians called to live a life worthy of the calling we have received? That we have all been called to live in a way that displays the Holy Spirit that is within us? That displays the gospel that has saved us? That we can say by our lives that we others may see that there is something different in us than the rest of the world? Well, Colossians 1, 10 through 12 says, That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light that we may walk worthy of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, that is our call today as pastors and as people of God. Church members, you should be praying for each other, but you should be praying for your leaders, that they would not hit the snares of Satan, that they would be encouraged to walk like Christ as they care for the church. And you must understand that as it says, as Paul writes, it says, if you, uh, this is trustworthy, meaning that this is very important and is true. An overseer, he desires a noble work. This is that in a world that people lessen jobs and lessen people, that remember back in the day of the pastor was kind of the central hub of the little outskirt town as, as, as people moved across the world, that, that the pastor's role becomes maybe less and less, that we must understand the role of the pastor is good for the church, and that the church is responsible for encouraging and helping be, the pastor be faithful, that the role of the church is that the members should pray for their pastors, follow their pastors, watch their pastor's lives, hold them accountable, and love them as they follow Jesus so that they would stay away from strife and that they would follow the Lord. And if you're a pastor, if you're maybe visiting from another place, I mean, we have many guests that travel here today. If your pastor is preaching the word faithfully and living for Jesus faithfully according to the scriptures, then you need to care for your pastor. That is a scriptural command. Now, our pastors, and I can say this for myself, and I know that they'll amen me heartily, that Hebron Baptist Church takes care of us well. Amen. We are very grateful for our church family. But we must what the Word says as we think through what is the expectation of the pastors, but what us as church members must do. The Scripture teaches that we should care for them financially and prayerfully. Uh, then 1 Corinthians 9, 14, in the same way the Lord has commended those who preach the gospel should earn their living by the gospel. And Galatians 6, 6, let the one who has taught the word share all, his, all the good things with the teacher. And an explicit reference to the pastors later on in chapter 5 of 1 Timothy, Paul writes this, the elders who are good leaders are to be worthy of double honor especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. 
But the scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it's treading out grain, and the work is worthy of its wages. Don't accept an accusation against the elder unless it is supported by two or three witnesses. What the Bible also says is there must be a high calling of pastor. There must be a a worthy treatment of pastors by churches. Because if not, the whole church can crumble if pastors are not cared for by their church. That is why you must care for them financially. But also, don't take an accusation against a pastor unless it's fully vetted out. Because if you ruin their reputation by slander or gossip, you've harmed the whole church. So the Bible upholds how we must treat them. There was a, in Michigan State, Michigan State, a professor there of organizational psychology, Rick Deshaun, he was an expert at identifying and researching uh, jobs and organizational psychology. And he observed characteristics of countless jobs and diversity of workplaces. This is what his study found, that the pastor's work activities are highly varied, taxing, fast-paced, unrelenting, and often fragmented. And this was what he concluded. The breadth of tasks performed by local church pastors, coupled with rapid switching between task clusters and roles, that appears prevalent in the position is unique. This is a, this is a non-believer. Listen to what he says. I have never encountered such a fast-paced job with such varied and impactful responsibilities. He understood what the Bible says, right? He just showed what we already know. And so we must encourage each other, even as the church. And you know, you know, we know that pastor's jobs are hard, but you know those jokes that, that about pastors working one day a week, you know, they make a Baptist laugh, but they don't make the pastor's family feel that good because the pastor's family has lost their dad for hours. Statistics that I found this week that pastors work on average 55 to 75 hours a week. Those wives and children losing their husband or dad doesn't think that's quite a cute of a joke. So I wonder if we all can do a good job of loving each other and that we can all do a good job. And let me just ask this. Men, are you here today that God has been putting within you an aspiration to become a pastor? Have you considered that God has gifted you in this way? Well, hopefully you've read these qualifications and prayerfully thought through them and that you've thought about how you might be used of God in the local church. Brothers and sisters, that if you don't say God's not calling me in this way, have you considered and prayed even through this for your pastors? You could, this is a wonderful way that you could say, hey, pray that my pastor loves his wife today and this week. Pray my pastor is helped in self-control when someone comes with him with a, a minimal task. Or, or pray for my pastor because we know he's gentle, but sometimes we know the stresses of life help him to be gentle. You could go through the scripture and pray for your pastors. Our brothers and sisters, as we know, 
in the days and weeks and years ahead, we need to identify pastors among us. Not just paid pastors, but, but lay pastors who can come along and teach and multiply the work of the saints here at Hebron Baptist Church. And we should ask ourselves, are we submitting to leaders that God has given us? And are we praying for them? We know God has given us qualified leaders and we must follow them. Secondly, number two, God has given church leadership that should be servant leaders. Let me just read the passage that was given to de- for deacons. Deacons likewise should be worthy of respect, not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They must also be tested first. If they prove blameless, then they can serve as deacons. Now, in the modern church, many churches have misunderstood what a deacon is. And they've put them in boards and they've kind of messed, messed with their role of being quasi-elders and, and quasi-deacons. But we know from the scriptures and the full totality of New Testament da- data that deacons are mainly servants. The servant role, as a matter of fact, the word deacon is from the word diakonos, which means servant or uh, it actually can mean table waiter, someone who serves the needs, uh, provide logistical and material support for the congregation and for the pastors and their efforts for the word of God and for prayer. We see most of this over in Acts chapter six. So let me just read that quickly. If you would follow along when we have it up here. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews among the Hebraic Jews that their widows were not being, excuse me, were being overlooked in the daily distribution. The 12 summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So what do we read from both 1 Timothy and from Acts chapter 6? Well, the division of labor is clear that the seven men or the deacons were called to deacon, in other words, deacon the tables so that the apostles in this case, but also the pastors could deacon the word, that, that as the deacons serve the body, then the pastors can serve the prayer and the word. Deacons then can serve for the care of the physical and financial needs of the church, and they do so in a way that heals divisions, that brings unity under the word, and supports the leadership of the elders. They are the shock absorbers of the church. Without this practical service of the, el- the deacons, elders would not be free to devote themselves to praying and serving the word. And pastors need deacons to serve, churches need deacons to serve and need their pastors to lead spiritually. Matt Smethurst in his book, Deacons, says this, Deacons, rightly understood and deployed, are are an irreplaceable gift to Christ's church. They are model servants who excel in being attentive and responsive to tangible needs in the life of the church. The entire shape of diaconal service finds its model and its missions in the life of our Savior. No doubt, locations and circumstances vary greatly, but the common denominator, the heartbeat of diaconal work remains the same, self-giving service for the good of Christ's church and the glory of his name. 
So we're so thankful to have such godly servant deacons here. But as we read through this list, we see the same thing that too often churches overlook. In Acts chapter 6, they say they need to be full of the Spirit. They need to be people who faithfully follow Jesus. And then Paul writes to Timothy that these are the same thing. Worthy of respect, not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They must also be blameless. These servants who give and give and give for the life of the church is vital for the church. And we know that it's, it's uh, when we choose deacons, it shouldn't be for the people who have been here the longest, who have had the most successful business, or someone who, who, uh, who we think is just a, one of the good old boys. But instead, it is someone who displays the characteristics of Christ, who is willing to give up themselves for others. And I know that many of you have already done nominations. And as you think through that, you see those deacons, those ones who are staying later to serve, who are coming earlier to serve, who are doing things that are not necessarily in the job description of serving. We know that these people are vital to the congregation and to the church. You know, let me just say this before I go any further. I'm so thankful for our deacons. They are truly super servants. You know that our deacons ser- uh, serve about 20 to 25 church families each, along with everything they do in their lives and their families, they, they oversee these, these families. Throughout the month, they are requested many times, numerous times for financial needs, not just here in our church, but outside in the world. People come to churches and say, can you help us out? And we know that they are serving them. Do you know that our, our deacons are, are spending afternoons moving people? Do you know our deacons mow for people in our church? Do you know that we've had deacons who program DVRs and remotes for people in our church? True story. And do you know we currently have a deacon who's teaching one of our people to drive? I mean, what a beautiful gift that servant-hearted leadership is, that we have deacons who are willing to give in such a way for each other in the church. So pray for them and their wives and their families and their time that they serve and that they would be filled with the Spirit, that they would serve selflessly and fully as they serve the congregation. But brothers and sisters, should we not all read these words and say, If they serve like Jesus, can I serve like Jesus too? You see, it's not just that deacons are called to serve each other. We all are. And it even doesn't say that the deacons should be the only ones serving in the church, that they just make sure that it's happening and that they can bring others along. And brothers and sisters, it is for our good for one another that we are serving for one another, serving each other. And let me just say this. That if we are too busy in our life not to serve each other in the church, then we don't have our priorities in, in order. If we have made our lives so busy that we can't connect with our brothers and sisters in the congregation, that we can't make ourselves available every once in a while, not all the time, but if we don't have any time for that, should we not consider and pray what we've prioritized in our life? And could they also be upside down? Look, we all have different stages in life. (laughs) I have 
one you know, about to go in middle school and one in diapers still. And that can be challenging in a lot of ways. But I know that it's my family first and I know that it's others second. And we need to make sure that we, especially others being in the church, the household of faith. Is God calling you to use your gifts and abilities in the church? Hey, look at, listen, all you have to do is say, hey, what can we do? We will give you 10 different jobs and that's only from Mark. <laughs> you can serve one another. There's great needs within the body. There are people who are, are struggling, people who need their, their <laughs> grass mode. They need, they need different things. And it's all better when we do it together. Brothers and sisters, what ways do you personally display the work of the Spirit? That your lives would reflect to others that they must follow Jesus. In what ways does your life show that servant-hearted, that, that you are serving others in the household of faith? Brothers and sisters, we must be committed not just to observe leaders and identify and call out leaders, but we should be leading in the way that we live our lives to follow Christ and to serve others. And this Wednesday, we're going to be meeting together at 6.30 for a town hall meeting. And this is a vital meeting for everyone in the church as we are going to kind of continue this thought about what does our biblical leadership structure look and according to the Bible. And how do we match up and what can we do to better reflect it? So I hope you come, that we can discuss, we can look at the Bible together, that we can pray, we can look at this together. It will be one of many meetings, but this will be the first important meeting that we have. And be on prayer for our leaders, our deacons, our pastors, that together that we may all love and serve one another and protect and guard the gospel and our relationship to one another so that the gospel may extend to the entire earth that we would love each other and trust the gift that God has given us in his church. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your word and the challenge you have given us. Lord, we thank that you have given us this beautiful gift of the church, that Lord, we are, we are grateful that uh, you have given us one another, knowing that we shouldn't be Christians that live by ourselves, but instead that we live in a life of faith in the local church and loving and serving and encouraging one another. But God, that you also knew that we needed leaders to help equip us for the faith and to serve us when we're in need. So we're thankful for these gifts and we pray for them. And Lord, we pray that all of us, pastors, deacons, church members, display the gospel of Jesus Christ, one who took our sin that we did not uh, took our sin. He did, not uh, he did not deserve it, but we did. He took our place and died for us, and that through faith in him, we are forgiven eternally. In Jesus' name, amen.